Hey Creepsters, it's Celeste from Buffalo, New York. Sit back, calm your tits, and listen to another Sinister Sightings with the best laughs in the business, Carrie and Donna of Paranormal Chicks. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 123. And Donna is dying again. Okay, not really. But she's sick again. Can you hear her lackluster? Hey, y'all, it's Donna. She thinks she's fucking Delilah over there. I'm trying. Someone who's not dying is Celeste, though. She just, well, she killed that intro. She's not dying, but the intro. Slayed. Good one. I was over here calming my tits. Wait, we need to get to the point. <laughs> well, I have no tits. You know, there are cups over here. Bees on the good day. No, they're not. I know, they're bees. But she doesn't care about your tits or my tits because she said we have the best laughs in the business. She didn't say what business? <laughs> true, 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 true. Like, of the miming business, maybe. <laughs> But hey, if you want to introduce an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, let's jump right in. The first one. Hello, my morbid beauties. First, I'd like to thank you for all you do. I'm guaranteed laughs and learning something new in every episode. Now for my sinister sightings. I live in Buffalo, New York. My close, close friend also happens to be a teacher I'm an aide for in an amazing special ed school. Shout out to all the educators out there working the hardest we've ever worked because of this pandemic. Well, her husband is an engineer. One day, he came to work and found out his coworker and friend, Altimio Sanchez, had been arrested for a series of local serial rapes and murders. A person who was known in the news as the Bike Path Rapist. My friend's husband was distraught. They have two daughters. He couldn't sleep and was having night terrors for months. He was traumatized that he could work and be friends with Sanchez for so long and have absolutely no clue that he was capable of doing such horrible things. Since then, my friend's husband has kept his circle of friends very tight. Creep it real and please thank the essential workers you know in a socially distanced manner. Eva. Well, that sounds like a case you need to cover, Carrie. And it's like you really truly never know somebody. Because even when you think you do, you really only know what they're telling you and what they're showing you. What are you, MTV's true life? But for real, if they're like a psychopath, they're going to just tell you what they think you want to hear for everything and be able to reel you in and and all of that. So you really truly don't ever know somebody. Next story. Damn. (laughs) Carrie's putting too much realness on this. But true, like for real. No, I know. I mean, think about how many stories we have like that in true crime that it's like i had had no idea i had no idea that they were fucking btk or whomever you know but for real i want you to cover that that sounds like a good one right and honestly i've never come into contact with someone in my adulthood that i worked with closely who was you know a serial anything yeah so i can't even begin to understand how your friend's husband felt no Oh my gosh. Okay, the next one. For real. Hey ladies, I just want to start off by saying thank you for making me smile. I have two sinister sightings to tell you about today. One was definitely a ghost. The other, well, I'm just dumb. 
Okay, we'll start with the scary one. When I was about nine, I was having a sleepover at my grandma and papa's house. I did this at least four or five nights a week. My grandma is my ride or die. Her house is three stories and haunted, honey. Haunted. I could always feel a presence in the house. Not a single child in my family will go upstairs alone because, duh, ghost. Well, one night I was asleep and I woke up in the middle of the night to a man, a whole ass man, standing at the foot of my bed. Like any kid, I put the blanket up over my head and didn't move. I heard someone say, it's okay, it's all okay, and I froze and stayed there probably for a minute, which felt like forever. I took the blanket off my head to see him still there. To my nine-year-old self, this man looked just like Abraham Lincoln. I closed my eyes and opened them again, and he was gone, just like that. I slept in my grandma's room for the next two years. My cousin has also seen this man in front of the basement door and told my grandma, Grandma, move. My man's here to say hey. Like, the fuck? I would have made her ass wait outside for her mama. In high school, I got a puppy, and when we were upstairs, homegirl would lose her shit. Barking at the wall, you best bet my 17-year-old self yelled for my papa and made him, at 70, come upstairs and get me. No shame. Well, I still go over there every day, and he has never hurt me or anyone, so he must be pretty chill. Now to my next story. This actually happened yesterday. My boyfriend, whose name is also Colby, and I have a house which we both work about an hour away from. I always get home first and go inside and do my thing and wait for him to get home, which is about an hour after me. It's dark by the time we get home. Well, yesterday, I'm coming up the driveway and pull into my spot and see something's in the yard. It's big and coming right towards me. Well, you best bet I screamed and put that bitch in reverse and Daytona 500 my ass all the way out of there. I called my boyfriend losing my shit. He's like, describe to me what it looks like. I was like, it was big. Like, it was big. That's all I know. And so then I wait a whole hour just driving around my town until Colby gets home. I follow him up the driveway like, oh shit, here it goes. He's going to have to shoot this thing or we're all going to die or something. Y'all, we pull up and it was my horse. My fucking horse. (laughs) The bitch got out and was in the front yard living her best life. (laughs) Bitch got out. That made me (laughs) get... I thought it was some scary ass monster beast thing. Needless to say, I probably need to lay off the scary podcast. Am I going to though? No. That poor horse just trying to do the thing, live their best life. As you said, I mean, you literally said those words. <laughs> I just picture it galloping like, oh, my mom's home. Like, let me go. Like that, <laughs> like all the Olympics where they like, you know how they like trot real fast? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know that. I just pictured the TikToks. Yes. But yeah. Also about your grandma's house and your papa's house. That man, uh, no, it's not okay, sir. It's not okay. And your cousin being like, Grandma, move. My man's here to say, hey, uh, that's me as a little kid. That's yes. me. Also, uh, hey, Colby. Also, do you have any brothers? Do they like extra large pizzas? All right. The next one is a Ouija board tale. Hi, ladies. 
Amber here, and I thought I'd share another story. Technically, it's not mine, but it was told to me when I was a young girl, and it's kept me far away from Ouija boards my entire life. I have a half-sister who also has a half-sister that I spent several years with before I was adopted. I know, I come from a strange, complicated line. My half-sister, we'll call her Natalie, and her half-sister, Trisha, were both really interested in the occult and used to rent books from the library on witchcraft and let me be a part of their practice. I was only six or seven, and they were teenagers, so obviously I worshipped them and wanted to be a part of anything they were doing. One day, when Trish was over, they sat me down and told me in the most stern tone I have ever heard them use with me to never mess with spirit boards. Then Trish told me the following story. One Halloween evening, Trish and Nat snuck out of the house to go to a raging Halloween party a college frat house was hosting. They drank, danced, and all the things you'd expect people to do at a party. As the evening was winding down, a few people ended up in a room messing with a Ouija board. Now, either I've blocked out what happened during this time, or nothing really came of the board because I have no recollection of what happened during this part. It was getting late, so Nat and Trish decided to head out, but realized that Trish's hat was nowhere to be found. She had dressed as a witch, and her pointed hat was just gone. After nearly half an hour of searching, they gave up and headed home. Trish lived with her grandparents, who had just moved into a new home in the country. They'd retired and always wanted a small country home to manage a small garden with a few chickens and to drink coffee on a wraparound porch as the sun came up every morning. About this time, they had just moved into the new home of their dreams, but there were a few things they wanted to restore. One thing about this house was that it had those thick, heavy doors with the skeleton key locks. Upstairs was a small door that was supposed to lead to the attic, but because of both age, humidity, and a missing key upon moving in, they couldn't get the door to open. They weren't in a hurry to get into the attic, and the real estate agent promised them she would look into getting a key or a solution to getting in as part of the terms of her cell. Her grandfather didn't want to break the door since it was such an old, beautiful home with the original doors and casings. Several weeks had passed since the Halloween party, and Trish was home unpacking boxes in her room. She was watching TV while unpacking to stave off boredom, and a commercial came on where a door opened on the TV. At the same time, she heard an odd creaking noise coming from the hall outside of her room. She intrepidly stepped into the hallway to see the locked door wide open. She called to her grandmother downstairs who didn't answer. She looked down the banister and saw her asleep in her favorite rocker and could hear her grandpa outside on his riding mower. No one else was in their home. She was terrified but felt pulled to check in the attic. She slowly ascended the stairs that led to the attic. It was one of those widow walk type entryways that led to a landing. When she reached the top of the stairs, she stared incredulously. There was just dust and junk everywhere. Upon closer inspection, the books and the items strewn about appeared to be occult items from books on the craft to strange items in jars to what appeared to be an old disintegrating voodoo doll. Horrified, she saw the scariest thing of all right in the middle of everything. Her missing hat was untouched by dust and grime just sitting gracefully on top of all of these occultic antique items. Trish vowed that she would never touch a Ouija board ever again, and from that day on, I had that same fear and respect for spirit boards. I was pretty young then, so I didn't ask a ton of questions, but now I wish I had asked if she ever saw anything else strange in that home, and what did they do with all the stuff they found in the attic? 
I have so many questions, but I lost contact with them over the years due to my adoption and having moved all over the world as a military brat. Moral of the story remains, don't fuck with Ouija boards. Love you both so much. Thank you for everything you do for your listeners. Your community is my favorite, and it's getting me through these crazy times. Stay safe and creepy. Amber Avey. That's some freaky dicky shit. Oh my gosh. Mm-mm. Just that they had the widow's walk. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of Mystic Pizza and stuff. I just don't know how the fuck that hat got up there. Right? Also, isn't it funny that it was like a witch's hat? Yeah. You know? Mm-mm. Yeah. I would heed their warnings too and not fuck with the Ouija board. For sure. I mean, I might. I wouldn't. But, you know. No way in hell I would. The next one's titled Premonition? Question mark. Hi, spooky gals. I found your podcast literally yesterday and I'm already hooked. I listened to an episode where a girl had a premonition and it reminded me of something strange that happened to me a few years ago. This story takes place in 2017. I only moved to the city this takes place in in 2015. And I honestly didn't go many places besides the grocery store and restaurants. Girl, same. Restaurants. At Walmart pickup. You're just like tr- creating jobs, really, is what you're doing with Walmart pickup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're going to self-checkout. You're just giving someone a job. <laughs> anyway, I had just met this guy, now my boyfriend, and we'd been hanging out quite a bit. We were on a walk around his neighborhood with his sweet bearded collie, Rosie. I was reading that, and I thought it was going to say bearded dragon. It's <laughs> very specific. That's... I know. Thing, but I was yeah, like, no, I know, but it's like y'all walking that thing. I mean, like, to each his own. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I've seen an iguana on a thing before, a leash. <laughs> so sorry, I paused there. Very weird. Okay, so what it really says is bearded collie Rosie. When we crossed the road, and I saw a small one-story apartment building, I stopped in my tracks, and my jaw dropped. I immediately had a flashback in my mind of that exact same building. In my flashback, I was a little girl, maybe four years old, and I had gotten out of the backseat of a car that looked like it was from the 90s. I stood next to the car and watched a man pull a trash can from the curb back to its place next to the building. This is just about all I can remember from that flashback. Switched to the moment I turned the corner while on a walk and saw the apartment building, So I had the flashback. I stared at the building for, I swear, five minutes. I don't know where this flashback was coming from because I know for certain I've never been to this building. This building was very distinct. This building stretched half a block and contained probably three or four apartments inside. Just one story and the outside of the building was painted a bright red with yellow accents. Definitely one of a kind. I was really freaked out. I tried to think of a time I would have been there, but I couldn't come up with anything. My gut feeling was that the man in my flashback was my dad, who had passed away when I was six years old. So I texted my mom to see if my dad had any friends who lived in the city I was living in. I thought maybe for some reason we traveled here when I was younger. By the way, the city I'm living in is about two and a half hours from my hometown where my dad also lived. So I don't think he had any friends who lived outside of our hometown. He was a bit of a homebody. 
my mom said she didn't think he had any friends there. So then I texted my older sister, who had gone to college in the same town as me, and asked if she had ever been to a red apartment building with yellow accents on Pearl Street. Of course, she said no, and she said that I was probably drunk one night and ended up at a party there. I know for certain that's not true. To this day, I walk by that apartment, and for some reason, I will not look at it. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Everyone I tell this to just brushes me off, but it's so creepy to me. Overall, the flashback is meaningless, but I can't help but wonder why I had the flashback. Anywho, I love your podcast and can't wait to binge the rest. Creep it real, airy. Maybe not a premonition, but maybe a flashback from a previous life. Very true. Especially if you can't find any connection to it. like, And, and it could be that you don't yet if it is a premonition, but what were they taking from the building? I'm just like picturing a body in a trash can. <laughs> I know. Well, it was like he was putting trash in a trash can and then putting it up to the building. True. True. I don't know. Maybe y'all didn't live there at all and your dad was like me and one day he was late putting the trash out and he had to ride around and find one that hadn't been picked up yet and had to put the trash in there. Maybe that's what happened. Seems legit. I mean, it has happened before. To Donna. <laughs> Last <Maybe>. week. No. <laughs> I mean, it was this year, but not last week. I think it's a past life thing. A past life or maybe a ghost that is like residual energy right there. Yeah, but yeah, maybe. Okay, the next one. Hi, you beautiful ladies. Greetings from central Pennsylvania. My name is Ronnie, and I found your podcast by accident back in July and have been addicted ever since. You two are amazing and so, so funny. You always cheer me up while I'm on my way back to work. At 5 a.m.? No, 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 no. 5 a.m.? Wait, are you the chicken farmer? Because there was a chicken person who accidentally was looking for a chicken podcast and came Came up up with a paranormal chick. Yes, 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 yes. I have a couple of stories for you, but I'm afraid the email will be too long, so I'm going with the true crime bit first. Trigger warning, this involves child abuse and sexual abuse. I'm so sorry if this triggers someone. Picture it. Young Ronnie and her sister were sent to a summer camp for troubled and at-risk kids. It wasn't just at-risk kids, of course, but kids in single-parent households. Keep that in mind. Kids with single moms. My sister and I were part of that group. Our parents were divorced and our stepfather had been killed in action in May of 2005. This was the summer of 2006. Our aunt had suggested the camp given the fact that my cousin loved it and it had really helped to improve their own lives. My mom, struggling with her own demons, was delighted by the idea of my sister and I spending a week away from home with people who were trained to understand our mourning processes and my own ADHD signed us right up. It was one of the best weeks of my life. I met some awesome friends, girls my own age, whom didn't think I was a weirdo. I got to talk through my feelings and have a good time. We tie-dyed and hiked and stayed in a college dorm. It was amazing, for me at least. My sister didn't have as good of a time, and that was her only stay at camp. I, however, spent almost every summer there until I was 15. The summer camp was the second mile, created by Jerry Sandusky. Jerry Sandusky was idolized by the community, not only in State College, but all around Central Pennsylvania. 
When the second mile was first established, it was only for boys. It wasn't until the early 90s that girls began to go. Boys and girls went on different weeks from then on, staying in the Penn State freshman dorms. Anyhow, this son of a bitch used his camp to find his victims. This asshole went after boys, small for their age, with no father in their lives and blonde hair. And his abuse went on for years. He even went to the schools where his victims were enrolled to take them out of school. He was able to do that because he was so fucking idolized in our community. The school districts didn't even bat an eye. I remember when I found out about the abuse, I remember not believing it at first, mostly because of my own positive experience at the second mile. But as more victims came forward and more stuff came out, I felt sick for even having gone to that camp. Thank God that son of an ass got prison time. Victim one, a young male by the name of Aaron Fisher, the brave young man who finally came forward, wrote a book about it. I read it the year after the trial, reading it in the middle of my high school lunchroom like a loon. This was not abnormal for me, reading at lunchtime. I had a new book every week back then. It's called Silent No More, Victim One's Fight for Justice Against Jerry Sandusky. Highly recommend it, but not for light reading. I remember how the community reacted during this time, how many people didn't believe the victims. People I loved and respected suddenly were victim-blaming their poor young men. They were convinced that these men wanted money, fame. Hell, some even thought it was a way to fuck over a Penn State football team. Like, child molestation was simply a football tactic. I lost all respect for some people during this time. I thought Yens would enjoy a first-person perspective on the Penn State scandal. It rocked the whole community and brought out some of the worst in people, at least in my life. I'm sorry if this was too long. Writing this on my phone, so sorry if there are any errors. Creep it real and don't get scared, Ronnie. At first, I was like, I recognize that name. How do I know that name? And then I was like, oh, that's how I know that name. Mm-hmm. Right when you said the name, I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that took me longer than it should have. Also, your name, Ronnie, all I can think about is Malibu's Most Wanted when Snoop Dogg is a rat, like an actual rat, and he's like, hi, Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> That's like my, one of my favorite parts in that whole movie. I love that movie. Never seen it, but I know what part you're talking about because you would always say, hi, Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah, hey, Ronnie. <laughs> Whatever they say. But you would always say it. I love it. Oh, God. Uh, it's so underrated. It's so underrated. Anyway, I always wanted to go to summer camp and stuff, but I think I would have hated it. I loved it when I was a kid and wasn't lazy. Now I'm like, outdoors? I want to be inside the air conditioner, unless I'm in a fucking pool or a boat (laughs) or the ocean. How many years did you go to summer camp? I don't know. When I was a Girl Scout, brownie. And then I would go to, like, church camps, too. So, like, every year. Mm. I mean, you know, not, yeah, every year. I did vacation Bible school, but that wasn't. Doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't make it. No, that's, like, that's you indoors. got Kool-Aid and mm-hmm. those shortbread cookies you put on your fingers. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one. Please don't use my name in this reading. Not that I'm embarrassed or ashamed, but... This is something I want to share, but keep all to myself in the sense that nobody knows who I am. Anyway, hey girls, this is my second time writing in, and I'm going to tell you about the strangest encounters I've ever had. This might end up being long, so I apologize. If you want to break it up, you can. It has to do with my dad. 
He attempted to take his own life on July 28, 2020, and ended up passing the next day, as if this year couldn't have gotten any fucking worse. This is the hardest thing I have ever had to deal with, and I've never been more confused in my life. Time moved in slow motion, and I kept myself busy trying to get the funeral arranged, music, pictures, keeping my mom together, etc., and being a mom on top of everything going on. The funeral came and went, and it was the night after that I'd finally lay down and tried to sleep. I was exhausted. I don't even remember sleeping, so I assume I slept really well. It was early the next morning, and I was laying in bed with my boys, both still sleeping, and the sun was just starting to come through the windows, and this is the part that I still can't figure out if it really happened or not. Okay, so I remember squinting my eyes open like I just woke up and looking towards my bedroom door. It was wide open and my boyfriend always makes sure he closes it when he leaves her work so his older kids don't wake up the younger ones. And I saw my dad standing in the middle of my doorway in the blue shorts he always wore, which were the ones he was wearing when he shot himself, and in the blue button-down short sleeve shirt he wore when he quote-unquote dressed up. And he just stood there without saying anything and just watched us. I couldn't believe it. The moment felt like it lasted for minutes when in reality it must have only been a few seconds because I blinked and when my eyes opened back up, he was gone. And it felt like my eyes had opened for the first time that morning. I called my brother and my mom and my brother told me that when he got up and walked into the living room, he moved back in with my mom so she wasn't alone, My dad was sitting in his chair and he got up and he said something along the lines of being proud of him for stepping up and taking care of my mom in the house. And I think that was my dad's way of comforting him because my brother held a lot of guilt due to the fact that the night that it happened, my parents had gotten into a big argument and my brother added to it by sticking up for my mom. He was supposed to stay the night there but left and he thinks that if he would have stayed, it wouldn't have happened. I don't blame anyone, but I know he felt like he should have shouldered some of the blame. Also, I did some research online, and it seems to be a very common thing that people experience early in the morning between awake and asleep. I guess your mind is more open to the possibility of seeing something. This is the second story, but it ties into the first. After seeing my dad that one morning, I was hooked. I felt crazy, and I begged every night for him to come back and see me. We didn't even have to talk, just let me know he could hear me. And morning after morning, I'd wake up disappointed because he didn't come back. Until one night, I had a dream that I was at home and the kids were all playing and my whole family was there and we were having some sort of get-together. And I felt like something was going to happen. Then, out of nowhere, a guy on a motorcycle pulled into my driveway and I couldn't see his face because he was wearing a full helmet that covered his face. I went out to confront him because why would this guy just show up at my house and he took his helmet off and it was my dad. I was surprised to say the least and he just got up and kind of joined the party, talking to people and walking around. He finally made his way back over to me and he actually apologized for not coming to see me more often and he told me that he can't come all the time and for me to not get upset if I didn't see him for a while. And then I abruptly woke up. This felt different than a normal dream. 
I felt really heavy afterward. I called my mom immediately and she said that my dad always wanted a motorcycle, but they could never afford one. And she thinks that this was truly him and he's just showing he's having a good time wherever he is. I haven't seen him since and my mental health is the worst it has ever been in my whole life. I look forward to hearing from my dad more, but realized it has to be on his time. My heart hurts, but these small meetings keep me hopeful. Thanks so much for listening. There are a couple more smaller incidents that I believe are my dad's doing, but I'll save them for another time since this email is so fucking long already. I love you guys. God, I'm I'm so sorry for everything you and your family have gone through this past year. I hope that your mental health is a little bit better at this point. I don't even know if this is the right thing to say, but I hope you have found some peace since then, especially given your mental health. I've always kind of thought that about in the mornings or when you're kind of asleep. Like we, we've said that too. Like, are you a little more, are you a little more sensitive? Because what do they say? The veil thinner. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, I think it was your dad, but also it could be like, oh, well, you're dreaming. But I think it's your dad. But you didn't know that about the motorcycle. Yeah. You know. Hey, Carrie and Donna, Monica here. Big fan. Huge. Okay, I'll see what you did there. I love your podcast and have been catching up for about a year or so. I've had some delays since I don't have a commute anymore due to COVID, but I'm so damn close to being done. You two are so amazing, and I feel like you're my best friends. Rereading this, I realize how creepy that sounds, but I'm leaving it anyway. Also, shout out to Will for being an editing genius. I have one question for the other creepsters. Does anyone else sing along to the intro song, Asking for a Friend? On Patreon or the regular one? Because, I mean, both. I have a few stories that I want to eventually send. Some of mine and some from family or friends. I figured I would start with my sleep paralysis story because I still think about it so often. I also want to start by saying that I'm a skeptic like Carrie. I so badly want to believe in spirits and whatnot, but I'm still undecided despite a few occurrences I've had or heard of. Anyway, I had sleep paralysis quite often as a kid. It was never too scary, just an odd feeling. And I honestly thought everyone suffered from this. Flash forward to my adult ass being diagnosed with anxiety and depression. You really are a Carrie. The one time I do distinctly remember was when I was about 19 or 20. I was living with my mom and going to community college at the time. She wasn't home that night and I was always a little stressed when I was home alone, which could definitely be the cause for what was about to come. I slept with the lights off in my room, but kept the hall light on with my door open. I eventually fell asleep and was woken up by the light in the hallway. I couldn't move my arms or legs, just my eyes pretty much. I looked down and there was a black figure crawling towards me on the floor. I tried to scream or wake myself up, but nothing worked. It was very slowly coming towards and eventually started up the side of my bed. I felt myself panicking and sweating so much I didn't know what to do. The black figure was almost right by my face and all of a sudden I saw a tall male figure by my door. The male figure seemed lighter or brighter in color, but still had no facial features. As soon as the dark figure noticed the other one by the door, they both disappeared and I could finally move my body and was awake. You would think that I'd be too scared to go back to sleep, but as soon as these figures disappeared, I felt an immense feeling of calm and was able to stay put and slowly fall asleep. When I woke up the next morning, I couldn't help but obsessively think about what happened the night before. I immediately assumed the tall, bright figure in the doorway was my father. 
He passed away when I was 16, and he was six foot five, so it just made sense to me. Once again, I'm a skeptic, so the event was likely just fueled by my stress. But what if it wasn't? Thanks for sharing my story. Creep it real and don't get scared. But do a little because it's fun. Monica. P.S. I just got your letter the other day and it warmed my heart. You are too sweet. Oh, then it's got to be the Patreon. Donna and Carrie, tell us a story. Shout out to Mama Lips for writing that. The fact that they like looked at each other and then the creepy one kind of scurried away, I think it was your dad. And again, I'm the skeptic. Yeah, no, that seems like it. Because it, that thing was like, oh, fuck, bye. Yeah. And we've never had, well, not never, but most of the sleep paralysis that we've heard about, they've not been scared of anything. And there's like, I don't think there's typically like two creatures. Right. And the tall, dark man is usually like a like black as black figure. You know, like it can't get mm-hmm. blacker than that black. Yeah. And this one was lighter and all of that, even though you still couldn't see his face. Yeah. All right. Last story. Hi, girls. My name is Kaylee, and I wanted to share my experience first time playing with a Ouija board, and stupid enough, it was on Halloween. Sorry for my bad grammar and typing this on my lunch break. I suck. I love your guys' podcast. You are so funny. By the way, this happened to me when I was 18 or so. I'm almost 21 now. 2000, baby. My nephew's a 2000 baby as well, and I am so glad because it's so easy to keep up with how old he is even though I always have to think about it. Some background. I've always been sensitive to the paranormal and had an interest in it. I remember seeing dark figures and voices in my ear when I was younger. It doesn't happen often now, but when I was younger, it would happen multiple times a day. As I got older, I began to love haunted houses, Halloween, scary movies, true crime, etc. My family and I moved into a rental house while we were trying to find my parents' dream home. Uh Uh-oh. As soon as I stepped into this house, I hated it. It had a very dark, evil energy in it. I expressed my feelings to my parents, and they said I was being ridiculous and thought I was just saying this because I didn't want to move. I began to have horrible paranormal experiences in this house. My door would slam open and shut aggressively on its own. I had plenty of nights where I had sleep paralysis, pillows flying off of my bed and couches, Sounds of feet walking while no one else was home. Hearing conversations of people talking behind me to find no one was next to me. My hair being pulled. The list really goes on and on. My brother had experienced these things as well, but I didn't know that until he told me a couple of months ago. So the story is, I was tired of whatever was messing with me, so I bought a Ouija board to try and contact whatever this thing was. A few days later, it was Halloween. I had my friends over and we had all planned to play the board. We sat in my room and all put our fingers on the board, circled three times, and I asked, is there anyone who wants to communicate? The board slid slightly to yes, but not directly to it. The planchette pointing to yes. We all looked at each other in horror and confusion. I knew it wasn't anyone else moving the board because it almost felt magnetic in the way it moved. It moved out from underneath our fingers. My friend, we'll call her B, started accusing everyone of moving it while tears were in her eyes. There were four of us, including me. We continued to play. I stupidly said, I want to talk to whoever is in this house and has been messing with me. 
Why me? The planchette did not move. I continued to ask other questions and nothing. Nothing came through. We waited and waited and nothing happened. I began to get mad because I know something's in my house and just being a brat and not talking to me. Why won't you talk to me? Are you scared? Give me a sign. I knew it wasn't a good idea, but I didn't care. I was angry. My friend noticed I was getting upset and said we should say goodbye and put the board away before something bad happened. I agreed and we said goodbye and put it away in its box properly and slid it underneath my bed. After we were just talking and hanging out, then I started to get really, really hot. I began sweating and felt like I was going to pass out. My friends noticed me and said I started to look really pale and sweaty. I ripped off my sweatshirt and I felt like I couldn't get any air. My friend opened the window and I turned on the fan in my room. After some time, I finally cooled off and felt better. Well, around 1 to 2 a.m., my friends decided to go home, and I go to shower and get ready for bed. As I go into my room, I lay down and turn on YouTube to try to fall asleep. I start quietly hearing whispering conversation again in my room. I paused my video and sat frozen in fear, listening. That's when I realized that the whispering was coming out from underneath my bed. That's where we put the Ouija board. Then I start to feel warmth coming from my mattress, and it gets so hot, I jump out of my bed and run to my bathroom. I'm crying my eyes out and praying for it to stop. I stayed in there probably for a good hour. I was too scared to go back into my room. I finally got the balls to get up from the bathroom floor and go into my room. At this time, it's about four in the morning. As I walked slowly into my room, I looked underneath my bed with my flashlight on my phone. I saw the Ouija board box wide open with the planchette sitting on top, as if it wanted me to play. I grabbed it quickly and put it away properly and put it in my closet on the top shelf and hid it under some old clothes. I never went to sleep that night. After that, I had some crazy experiences following. If you're interested, I can share. Thanks for reading my story. I'm sorry this is long. I just felt like it needed all the background information first. Love you guys. Well, you can take that Ouija board and stick it straight with the other Ouija board where some fucking object moved that shouldn't have moved from the other story with the witch hat being in the attic. Uh Uh-uh. See, the object moving is less scary. Like, that's still scary as fuck. But you make something hot. You make me feel hot and I can't breathe. And then you make the mattress hot. Mm Mm-mm, I can't handle that now. Mm Mm-mm. What in the ember wave is going on here? (laughs) sponsored (laughs) Mm -mm. yeah i because if the mattress is hot that means that it's fucking with my sleep and i am not about that life Mm -mm. i do not own a tempurpedic and i am not trying to be hot right well and then all i'm thinking about is like freddy krueger when he was like in the waterbed and and yes mm -hmm, no 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 uh uh-uh the monster cannot be inside the mattress no No. i have to sleep so no thank you Mm mm-hmm no, see, this is why I don't fuck with a fucking Ouija board. And it deserved all those fucks. <laughs> uh-uh. Nope. Don't need it. But what we do need is all these amazing stories to continue. So thank you all so much for sending them all in. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. But more importantly, remember. Creep it real. And, and don't, don't get scared. scared.